0: Tyler's message this morning is, what's going on at your house? As we sit here, I'd say probably all of us in some way or other, in some form, we have kids in our lives, children, grandchildren, but a lot of you have cousins and whatever, so we, we have children around us. This question applies to the parents and the grandparents and those that are contemplating having children as well. How are those relationships with those young people? My guess is some of us here are in the process of training and raising children, and some of you are perhaps raising your grandkids. So how's that going for you? On the back of your bulletin, if you have your bulletin in front of it, look at that bulletin. Look at those words. What words would you check to describe your overall relationship with your kids or grandkids? Which one of those What, what words would you check? There's, a, there's about 12 of them here, And then you might ask, why we, are we checking it? Because I, I think in some cases, probably all of us at home, there's there's something we could work on at home. Um, I, I really believe, and forgive me for saying this, but is, is there such a thing today as a truly 100% functional home? Is, is there such an animal? I, I don't know. As I said before, we as humans, we're kind of messed up, and we, things aren't always in, in place, so to speak. One thing about little kids, is what I like about them, is, is they're honest, and they spit things out. And some of you folks that are my age, maybe a little older, you'll remember this guy. He was one of my favorite guys to watch when I was a kid. Let's watch this clip. A guy named Art Linkletter. What do you want to be when you grow up as uh, a grown man? An actor and an artist. An actor in motion pictures? Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little test. Have you ever done any acting? Yeah. Well, try it. Say Art Linkletter like you're mad. Art Linkletter like you're mad. <laughs> That's good. You're going to be a wonderful actor. <laughs> what do you think you'll be when you grow up? A bus driver or a pilot. A bus driver or a pilot. Yes. Well, suppose you were a pilot on a big airplane and suddenly all four engines stopped. Right away, what would you say? I'd probably turn to the pilot. Who's the most important man in the world today, in your opinion? George Washington. George Washington. That's right. He's married, isn't he? Yes, sir. Do you know who his wife is? Miss America. I bet you before you came down here, they all gave you orders today, didn't they? Very important before you come on a coast-to-coast show. Paula Brown, what did your parents tell you? Um, to keep my legs together. How does that story go? One time there was God, and God made Adam out of dust. And then he put Adam to sleep and made Eve out of a rare rib. And then uh, God... kind of a rib? Rare. A rare rib. God said, Adam and Eve, don't eat the apple tree or I'll punish you. And then the devil came along. And kind of hypnotized them, and then God went to see someone, and then they got real sick, and then they, and then they hid then they hid from God, and they threw up. Took the first bite, and they eat, they eat. And Eve, um, Boy, I bet God was mad. Yeah, and then God sent them to, to hell and they transferred on to um, Los Angeles. <laughs> we learned from this that all Adam and Eve have a, had a whole mess of babies. <laughs> How did God punish Eve? Well, um, He made Adam. Sit down and read the Bible. Write the Bible. Sat down and wrote the Bible. Yeah. What do you do with Eve? He made her what? Oh, a housewife. I'm sure that all of us probably have stories about some of the things our kids and. Our grandkids had said, "I'd like to tell you a couple of stories, but it probably wouldn't be appropriate." So, uh, one thing I do remember about Elijah, though, uh, Mamma was always buying him clothes. And come up on the porch one day. I don't remember how old Elijah was. And she pulled out this shirt, and it was yellow. And he said, Mamma, I don't do yellow." So, uh, I don't. You still do yellow? You don't do yellow still? He don't do it today. So. Hey, So if you get them anything for the wedding, don't buy them anything yellow. So I spit that out this morning. Here's the deal with kids, that they are honest. It, it might be a good exercise, and maybe it w- wouldn't be, but the next time you sit down with your, your kids at home to eat, ask them their brutal, honest opinion of you as a parent and how they think things are going at home. It, it might be good, and it might not. I don't know if you've got the guts to do that, but I think it'd probably be a good idea to, to listen to them and see, see their perception on things. But needless to say, having a Christian home is no guarantee against disharmony. And, and like I said, there, there's no homes that, that are perfect. And I, I, I believe that about us, that we, if we are gut-honest with ourselves and each other, we're messed up. That's why we need God and each other to get through life. I, I think that's my definition of the church. It's, it's people that are honest with God. And we realize that we got problems and there's things going on in our lives and we need God and each other to get through life. Here's probably the main reason there's a little disharmony sometimes. Because of the real you lives at home. You're, you're not the you in public that you are at home. You're not the you that goes to work or goes to school or comes to church because the real you lives at home or the one that gets gas or goes to the grocery store. My philosophy is all of us have two personalities. We all have a Jekyll Hyde personality, and the monster lives at home. If you know that story, Dr. Jekyll, out in public, respectable doctor in his community at night, he'd drink this potion and turn into Mr. Hyde, this monster, and go out and murder people. But they, they didn't know it was him, so to speak. But I'll guarantee you what if, if your children or your grandkids are around you very long, they know the real you because that's who we are at home. Usually, there's an old facade at home, actually. And they've probably seen your monster you might call it the dreaded old nature, if you will. Because we all have one. And if we're pushed far enough into a corner or whatever, sometimes that monster comes out. It flares up at home, I think, more than any other place. Horns, claws, and teeth, they all come out and they all show. This is one of the biggest problems to me, or maybe not a problem, call it a responsibility uh, call it an opportunity, if you will. But nonetheless, we bring our children and maybe your grandkids to church. And we're pretty respectable, most of us in here. I've, in f- almost well, 40 years of ministry, I've never seen anybody turn a table over or throw a chair. I'd like to see that once, because I think it'd be entertaining. So if you if you get the urge, just get up, go let out a big roar, and turn her over. I'd like to just it won't bother me at all. Actually, it might bother those around you, but nonetheless, basically, if you spill somebody's coffee. But anyhow, at home is is where we are. So here you, you you come to church, and you're respectable. You might even you might even raise your hands or say amen or or whatever. But you get in the car and somebody pulls out in front of you, or you're going to Terre Haute, and somebody is in the left lane texting, driving 40 miles an hour. Well, then all that stuff you just learned that that hour church comes out in one or two words. Anybody ever guilty of that? God bless you. There are some honest people, maybe five. So anyhow, you know what I'm saying. And that's, that's a tough gig for us parents is to be who we are in church, to be who we are at home. Home's a place where the gnarled roots of self-centered habits can tangle communication lines. Helpful biblical principles can be ignored. So I just want you for a minute to think about your house and face the truth. Is your home a godly home? Could Jesus waltz in any time during the day or night, spend a week with you in the guest room, sleep on the couch? Would would He feel comfortable there? That everything that's said and goes on, then it's done. There. It needs to be for the sake of your kids and grandkids. I know that I have talked about my wife way too much from the front. I admit that. But I'll tell you one thing about her. I admire her for the fact that she's always made our home a godly home, that it's a safe place, that it's a refuge. So think about your home and why don't you take some time over the next few days even for a single purpose. And that's to evaluate the present condition at your house. And maybe maybe you, the Holy Spirit will help you uncover some things that need to be strengthened, some weaknesses, whatever. Maybe your home needs to be a little more godly and ask the Holy Spirit to help, to help show you that. And to get a grip on your relationship with your kids your kids know you love them? Do you tell them? You know, that's something I don't think you can continue to assume. You know, I hear people say, well, m- my kids know that I love them, or my mom and dad, they know I love them. But if you never say it, or if, you, if there's never any action behind it, how, how do I don't think you can assume love. I, th- I think it has to be showed. It's the same way with kids and their parents. So you might think about that. One thing about the Scripture, it's honest and... Here's three cases that makes us realize that we're not alone in our struggle because even biblical characters have some major problems. Rebekah favored Jacob over Esau and used him to deceive his father Isaac, which led to severe family breakdown in Genesis 27. Eli, who was judged by God because of his lack of discipline and failure to stand firm when his boys began to run wild, 1 Samuel 3, 11-14. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family. I have warned him continually that judgment is coming for his family because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. And then in chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, we read the Philistines killed Eli's son, Hophni and Phineas. And then in verse 18, When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark, Eli fell backwards from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was very old and very fat. Scripture's pretty honest, isn't it? Well, if I fall off backwards out of my chair next week, you can say I'm old, but you can't say I'm fat. So that's uh... the trouble was evident at Eli's house, and he did nothing about it. How often do we do that? It, it's called the elephant in the room. That you got this big elephant, which is a problem. It's there's something that's going on that that needs to be addressed. But no, you just you pick up the rug and you sweep that big boy under there. And, and when you get done, there's this great big lump you can still see, and you have to walk around it. But you're not going to address it. That is that. Small problems start out that way, and if they're not addressed, they get huge, for it's over. Third example was David, who committed the same sin against his son, Adonijah, by never restraining him or crossing him throughout his early training, First Kings 1, 5 and 6. About that time, David said Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, decided to make himself king in place of his aged father. So he provided himself with chariots and horses and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father King David had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, What are you doing? Adonijah was a very handsome man and had been born next to Absalom. You see, no one is immune, not even people in the Bible, not even you. So then as you move ahead and when you you think about where you're at as you as a parent or a grandparent, maybe you need there's some issues maybe you need to address. I found something that I that I believe is amazing. In nineteen fifty-nine The United States Chamber of Commerce published this article in newspapers across the United States of America. The title of the article is this, How to Train Your Child to Be a Delinquent. Number one, when your kid is still an infant, give him everything he wants. This way he'll think the world owes him a living when he grows up. Number two, when he picks up swearing and off-color jokes, laugh at him, encourage him. As he grows up, he'll pick up cuter phrases that will floor you. Number three, never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he's 21 and let him decide for himself. Four, avoid using the word wrong. It will give your child a guilt complex. You can condition him to believe later, when he's arrested for stealing a car, that society is against him and he is being persecuted. Number five, pick up after him—his books, his shoes, his clothes. Do everything for him, so he he will be experienced in throwing all responsibility onto others. Number six. Let him read all printed matter he can get his hands on. Never think of monitoring his TV, or in this day and age, it would be the internet. Sterilize the silverware, but let him feast his mind on garbage. Seven, quarrel frequently in his presence, then he won't be too surprised when his home is broken up later. Eight, satisfy his every craving for food, drink, and comfort. Every sensual desire must be gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustrations. Number nine, give your child all the spending money he wants, don't make him earn his own. Why should he have things as tough as you did? Number 10, take his side against neighbors, teachers, and policemen. They're all against him. Number 11, when he gets into real trouble, make up excuses for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. He's just a bad seed. And then 12, prepare for a life of grief. Written 59 years ago. Are those mice making that noise? Where's that coming from? Is that upstairs? Did that make any sense to you? Did you find any truth in those 12 steps? Does Is that me making that noise? Well, Steve, why didn't you point at me? Or give me some I'm just going to sign. I thought it was in. I'm sorry, kids. I thought it was the kids upstairs making all that right So, well, at least if I don't have false T-school. It's not them clacking. So, it's, a, it's, okay, it's okay now. So, so, that's so yeah, that's, that's better. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Hey, throw something. At me or whatever, and make out a loud noise, turn a table over, and get my attention. And, uh... Okay. All right. No problem. When you think about that, did, did it make some of you flinch, maybe, or cringe, or did you think it was too sarcastic, or ludicrous, or completely outdated? I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but I I am aware of it. We live in a world where pretty much anything goes. You can say anything you want about anybody anymore, pretty much. The slander is gone. I could put a statement in the paper and, and, and have some slanderous. Well, they might get me because I'm a preacher, but nonetheless. It, it, it's bizarre to me that some of the things that I've heard in the last year or two that people have said, against people in high places, if you will. But it, we live in this this country where it seems like that rules and truth is, is kind of going out the window The the vast responsibility does come back to the church, but it even goes deeper. It goes to your house. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility with, with, with those children that God has entrusted you with. You have to be the judge of how you see it, but the real question is, how does God see it? Would God say that your house is a godly home where these kids are picking up things of God? home is indeed where life makes up its mind. It is there that the fellow members hammer out convictions on the anvil of relationships. It's there we cultivate the valuable things in life, attitude, memory, memories, beliefs and most of all character. And God has given you that home and I pray that you might embrace it and He's given us this home, the church as well. See, from the very beginning, God has held parents and the home in very high esteem. Actually, it's the building blocks of society. It's the building blocks of His kingdom. Everything starts at home. Because that, it starts with children and it builds upon that. And strong societies are built on strong homes and family relationships. That is, That's the way God intended it. And from the very beginning, God has given humans guidelines and instructions on how to make... Our homes godly. What to teach our children? We teach them about God. It's up to us to follow these practices and, and do them, actually. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 reads like this. It's God's call for wholehearted commitment. These are the commands, laws, and regulations that the Lord your God told me to teach you so you may obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And so you and your children and grandchildren might fear the Lord your God as long as you live, If you obey all His laws and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, to everything I say. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In the Old Testament, this was the great commandment. It's called the Shema, and the Jews are to recite this daily, 365 days a year, every day. It is Making a live personal daily commitment to God, heartfelt for everybody in the home. To the Hebrew the heart is the center of the human being, and the soul is the source of life and all strength as it should be with followers of Christ. And the the total demand of this passage should never be overlooked. Prophet Jeremiah heard these words from God in Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Not only is it to be upon the heart, it must take first place in training children. It's got to be first. In conversations at home and outside, from beginning to the end of the day, it should govern senses, control behavior, and direct life at home and community. It is in this spirit that Paul can say, for me to live is Christ. The Word of God was literally in focus all the time. This passage talks about wearing it on the hands and on the forehead and on on your house. It's talking about phylacteries. There's small other cases containing this passage together with 11, chapter 11, 13 through 21, Exodus 13, 1 through 10, and 11, 16, written on parchment, they are attached to le- by leather straps to the left forearm and the forehead of every Jewish male over 13 at morning prayer except on Sabbath and festivals. The Shema also mentions the home, talks about on the door frames. The same passages were attached in small containers called mezuzah to the doorposts. When Jesus came and lived, he died, he rose again. He grafted the church, His body, into Himself, the true vine. And He opened the doors to the Gentiles into this glorious kingdom. So in that sense, we can see that, that we were grafted into Israel. We're not Jews, but we, Christ opened that door for us. So in a sense, Deuteronomy 6, 4-9 applies to us today. It's just not a ritual. It applies to us as followers of Christ, as grafted into to Israel, if you will. Jesus reinforced it in Mark 12, 29-31. Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So I ask you as a parent and a grandparent, What's going on at your house? could you say that it is a godly place? Is the Word of God being spoken there? Is, is it being read into young lives? And I'm not saying a constant. I'm just saying on occasion that somehow, some way throughout the day that God is mentioned in that sense. In the beginning, God gave Israel as He now gives us the pattern, the guide, the instructions on how to make our house godly. And what you should be teaching your children and grandchildren. God said, Here are the benefits if you follow His teaching. The benefits. If you do what God asks you to do. You and your family, if you fear and are in awe of the Lord your God, as long as you live, you will enjoy life. Are you enjoying life? It's a great way to test where we're at spiritually. Are you enjoying life? Has life become a, a, a task, a burden? Is it mundane? Do you hate to get up in the morning? You just go through the motions. You, I, don't, I, don't, I believe when we get like that, we got a spiritual problem. Because God has opened up a whole world to you. That when you get out of bed and you, you put on your clothes and you go out into this world, He's given you this huge mission field. Tons of people need Christ. Tons of people need to, to be have somebody... Have compassion and be kind to them. Maybe it's just a touch or a kind word. Whatever. It's this huge adventure that He's opened with windows of opportunity for us to go through. Divine appointments. Every day set up for us to be Jesus to people. We, We get blinders on and we don't see that. But that is what God had intended. You will enjoy life and live a long life if you follow my precepts, if you stay close to me. All will go well with you. Hashima, Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, God's instructions for us today. Hear, O crossroads, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down, and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I saw some scripture tattooed on a father and his daughter today. They had just gone. See, I don't have a problem with that. Some people do. Could this mean that? I don't know. It's something that reminds you of God. I, I, I don't know. I, I I struggled in the beginning, but I, it, it, the tattoos don't bother me at all, actually. I'm going to get my name and address tattooed on me because I don't know who I am some days. You... You who have small children, I've always said that and I've read this somewhere that really stuck with me that when you bring a baby into your home, it's like a barbarian that you've captured from some other country that doesn't know your language, your culture, does doesn't know anything actually. And you bring this barbarian into your home and when they keep keep you up all night for four nights in a row, you really think they are a barbarian. But nonetheless, God has given you this being for you to train to interject God into and your thoughts and your love. And it's like a, a, a chunk of wet clay that you mold. And my kids are already beyond molding. They're they're out. They're, they're grown. So to speak. But some of you still have children at home. And I'm the first to tell you, I admit, I wasn't a very good father. I didn't discipline my kids. And I've said that before, but I, I regret that. But I can't go back and change that. I stand before you this morning and confess that. There was a fault in me. Part of the reason I wanted to be a kid myself, and that doesn't work. Kids don't need a best friend. They need a dad. That's the point. I'm just trying to save you some grief, actually. But praise God, my kids turned up pretty good. <laughs> so I appreciate my wife for that. So people whom I love, talk about God at home with each other, with your children, with your grandchildren. Read and talk about His Word, His love, His mercy, His grace, and His power, and the future that He has planned for us as His children. And make your home godly. This morning, I'm going to ask you as a commitment. I usually don't ask you to do too much, but if you want your home to be godly and you will pray about it, would you stand, please? Father, I realize that uh, running a home and being a parent or grandparents always not uh, always not that easy. It comes at a price. It's a price that we have to pay with commitment and sacrifice, but. I have all the confidence in the world with your help that we can all do that. So right now, Lord, as we pause, I just pray that you'd be with these fine people, each one of them. And think about their kids, and some of them have grandkids. and Just show them, Lord, what you might have them to do. If there's anything in their lives this morning that they need to confess and get rid of, that they might do that right now, even as they stand before you, that they might give it to you and have you take it. say, forgive me, Lord, for this weakness that I've had. Forgive me for not doing this and not doing that. Just help me to do better. I just pray that you give me instruction in that. And that's, that's what we say. So right now, Father, I pray for every father in here. Father's Day is coming up. I realize that. You have put a tremendous responsibility on men to be the leader of the home, to be the spiritual leader. The one that jump-starts these conversations. The one that jump-starts any scripture that needs to be read or talked about. So I pray, God, that you would just instill that in us men. And thank you for loving moms and who has picked up the slack. where We have not. Continue to strengthen them. Be with every family here, Lord, and just hold them up to you. Just ask your special blessing upon them. For we ask these things in the precious name of Christ.